0: Hi, I'm Tapia And I'm Brian Ziegler from the band Dark Beauty. And you're, you're listening,
1: listening to, to the Free Freeform Form Rock Podcast. Podcast.
2: All right! You are listening to the Freeform Rock Podcast.
1: Is everybody in? Is everybody in? Is everybody in?
2: The ceremony is about to begin.
3: Don Henley was a pretty happy guy this week. His end of the Innocence album is still a top 20 item after 14 weeks on the Billboard chart. And its latest single, The Last Worthless Evening, jumped 21 places to number 70 with a bullet. Henley, of course, has been chronicling the high and low life in Los Angeles ever since he moved there from Texas 19 years ago. And when we talked to him not long ago, he was feeling kind of reflective about the glory days of L.A. rock.
1: The late 60s and the early 70s was a very exciting time out here, it was it was all part of the 60s cultural upheaval, there were people in the streets, you know, all the way from Doheny Drive, all the way down to Laurel Canyon Boulevard, you couldn't, you could barely drive through there, just people were everywhere in the streets, and there were all the clubs like the Troubadour, and and the Whiskey, and Ceros and, Ciro's and um, lots of clubs, there was a, a great scene going on here that spawned a lot of people that are still on the radio today. Uh, And, um, I thought I was in heaven, you know, I mean, I was just thrilled to death to to be here. And, um, it all kind of fizzled out around 73, 74, you know, the times changed. But, um, it was, it was really something. Based in the East Texas town of Linden, Henley, now 42, grew up listening to everything from bluegrass and blues to hardcore
3: gospel music. So it's fitting that for one track on his third solo album, *The End of the Innocents, he called in another gospel-rooted LA singer to add harmony vocals. And what was it like when Axl Rose walked into the studio?
1: It was uh, quite an experience. He's got a really powerful voice, you know. It, it was, it was something else. We, we were so uh, amazed that we kind of turned on the two-track and uh, recorded him warming up. You know, all these little exercises and stuff. And then, of course, I got the famous phone call from him a couple of weeks later about playing drums with them on the uh, American Music Awards, which sparked arguments and controversy all over America. (laughs) Husbands arguing with White. Yeah, that's him. No, that's not him. All right,
0: welcome to another edition of the Freeform Rock Podcast. Man, uh, Jerry, what's up, brother? And our first episode, your first episode with... Our new, you know...
3: Yeah, our new co-host, man. I'm uh, looking forward to it, man. I missed last week. Personal health reasons, I've been having, but I'm better. I'm getting over it. And uh, looking to carry on with uh, a new uh, new uh, lineup on the Freeform, man. should be yeah. fun. Yeah, man. I want this new lineup shit to stop.
0: It's irritating the fuck out of me. <laughs> I want to be fucking Aerosmith. We break up once and everybody stays together. Or I want to be like in uh you too i want to be you too nobody leaves the band <laughs> nobody leaves the band there you go you two together they still love each other man they still have a great relationship with each other and people hate you too fuck off people i'm not
4: going anywhere guys okay
0: you don't like you too either
3: no i love you too okay oh, fuck you too
0: <laughs> why you like you two up to the joshua tree that's right fuck them now Okay, I don't understand that statement. Why? What did they do to you? How did they, how'd they give you a bad I
3: touch? Their, mu- their, their music is horrible now. It's the horrible ever since uh, uh, Rattle and Hum, in my opinion. they just gotten fucking weird, dude. They got, like, I don't know, too much in the... I don't know, they just suck. They were like they, they have a song every now and then on their newer albums after that that I like, but for the most part, they're just like... I haven't written anything good since then. It's in my opinion, man.
0: Right, well, that's fine, but Octong Baby is a fucking... That album oh, sucks. Fuck. Oh, God. The Fly, when I first saw that video of uh, him in those sunglasses, and when he goes, shine, shine like You probably, probably like, let me guess, you like lemon, too, right? Oh, God, then, yeah, no, 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 <laughs> no, That album, Europa is a fucking abortion of God. Oh, uh, there's,
3: there's hope for you, then. I
0: like one yeah, song off that album. I think it's Stay. Stay is you too. The rest of the album is electronic garble go- gobbledygook to me. Fuck Hey there, mom! What the fuck is that shit? God dang it. And, and then fucking the edge is fucking doing a rapping shit in
3: there. That fucking horrible album
0: Popping Baby
3: Review. I mean. Oh, uh, I love pop. Pop's awesome. Uh, fucking discotheque shit. I mean, give me a break. It's horrible. Dude, there's so but many But they foods. do it well. They do it well. They do horrible well.
0: Yes, they do, Shane. <laughs> Hey man, I know this episode. Hey man, was... like I
3: always say, man, if you like them, you like them. I'm just gonna criticize, but my opinion don't mean shit. If you like them, so more power to you. Well, I kind of gave. Jerry... I like the I like, I like the London
0: Choir boys, so you know I get it. Okay, I get it. I, I really don't think you like them. I think you just say
3: that because you know. Oh, don't. I do. I think they're fucking great. I love the singer. He's <laughs> got a great voice. I oh. mean, they're like a uh, they're uh, what's they're a fucking like a version of love hate, man. They're just nasty. They're like you know that. Sleazy rock, man, you know? You, uh, like.
0: You bring up London Choir Boys more than I ever bring up Night Ranger or Extreme.
3: Well, because I use it as a joke and a punchline. You you'd you be serious about it. I know you guys joke, you used to joke with me about that band. That's why I bring it up. <laughs> I, I don't have an ego to bruise, so you can make fun of it all you want. I don't care. You know, so... You know? oh, shit, Charles likes Naked City. What the fuck? You guys should be opening. Great song. fucking song, dude.
4: <laughs> <laughs> that entire record is awesome. I'm so fucking master dude.
3: Oh. Instead of fucking uh, um the other dude, they fucking roll, dude. I love them both. Yep, I celebrate the entire collection. Yep, I do too. Except for uh, <laughs> Mark, uh, <we> lost Mark. <laughs> you know what? You know, you know what? You like? There's actually three I don't like. I don't like Sonic Boom, Crazy Nights, or uh, Hot and Shade I like Monster. Foster rules, dude. But I like Monster. crazy I like crazy I'm, nights. I'm <laughs> glad they actually won out. They went out on a fucking super high note, so good for them as far as studio albums are concerned. Mm-hmm. Well I agree. If you heard the new
0: Decibel Geek episode that was out seven weeks ago, they're talking about on their Torpedo Dudes free for all they did. Uh, they're, uh, yes, I listened. I don't care what they do. They could talk about Slayer all day. I just like listen to those two banner. They are fucking amazing. I, I hope you guys out there like listen to us three banner because that's what I want for the <laughs> show, man. <laughs> but, um, uh, seven, but they were talking about uh, how I'm a, kiss, I'm would, a punk. at least kiss Wait. made two new albums, but then they shit on those two albums said we should have never made those, man. I think that's kind of fucked up. I agree with Chris and Aaron on that.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, Gene says they don't want to make another one because nobody buys them it Because fucking fucking shit trick. They said they're going to make new albums until they fucking die. I mean, because they like doing it, man. Like, hey, they're artists. That's
0: what a G. That's exactly. What I, Chris and Aaron said, if you're an artist, you want to keep making music, and they don't want to. They don't care anymore. Nope. They lost their fire, you know. So if they did make an album, it'd probably be ballless because they don't care. Just think. About if it's who, who, we're talking, talking.
4: who doesn't care?
0: I'm talking about them. If they try to make an album, they'd be going through the motions because they really don't want to make one. Kiss.
4: Yeah. Right. Well, as an artist, you got to feel it. You got to want to do it. You can't just go and go through the motions. There's no money in it. There's no reason to do it if you don't have the fire to do
3: it. That's true. That's why I, I can see, I, I, I see Paul doing another solo album or two. I don't think Gene would do anything. This truly is the end of the road. You know what I mean? Because Paul, believe it or not, has a, still has creative urges, I think. So you might see an album or two from him. Yeah, no more stool station.
4: Yes, more stool station. I I know we'll see again.
3: Now. Again, see Mark. You, you think you get picked on a lot? I like that fucking album. C-mark. I, I
4: own it. I own it on. I CD do too. And I love fucking
3: yeah. vinyl, dude. It's awesome. I, I think love it. it's awesome. You know, <laughs> I think it's great. I love motile songs I mean he, he, Paul really tried he had a great band with them I mean it's cool there you know i I know where his vocal
4: range fits now right his vocal range very really low in
3: pocket right now
4: absolutely
0: yeah uh, and i i talk about kiss I like kiss I was listening to the 100,000 years song yesterday. that song just rules that drum solo by Peter Chris is amazing so i i i like i like good kiss and kiss in the eighties was good to me i i liked them it's just when they started becoming in a parody of themselves where they pissed me off because they're not one of my favorite bands and and i just see all you all you fans out there they could fucking take a shit and sell it you guys would buy it it's just like why i wouldn't do that if rush made a bad album go fuck that shit tesla made a bad album album. tesla made a bad album shock man that was horrible. you own it right you own it right yeah but i didn't know it was bad till i bought it (laughs) <laughs> a lot of people buy the album when it comes out without listening well, to it. Well, because I heard I mean, the first single, and the first single was cool. Uh-huh. And then I got the album, they have California Summer Song. Ah, uh, what is it? Some people
3: are also, some people are completists, and I'm a completist when it comes to, like, Kiss, Maiden, Zeppelin, Pink Floyd. So I'm going to buy it, you know, regardless. So well,
0: I get on you about that. I go, why? I mean,
3: I'll, I won't buy all, all 30 of their greatest hits albums or CDs. They have fucking way too many, uh... Compilation CDs, in my opinion, but I'll buy all their studio albums. I mean, if, I, if hey if anybody out there can find Sonic Boom that's under a thousand dollars, on vinyl, please <laughs> Let me know. It sucks, but I want I need that to complete my fucking uh. There's that some, I need like uh, that and Killers are the two albums that I need to complete my uh, Kiss. They're selling album. a newer version of Psycho
0: Circus. Kiss was advertising all over Facebook. I right? think I have Psycho Circus. I have, you know, yeah. Come on, you want the 180 gram version, don't you? Come on. <laughs> I didn't replace all my Rush records. I have the original versions of them. I didn't go. Oh, Rush has 180 gram versions of these. No, I didn't go get it. If I didn't have it, I bought it, man. I'm looking. Uh, Okay,
4: but full disclosure. I mean, people need to understand that the grooves in 180 gram are the same size as the grooves in the old flimsy floppy vinyl. But it's heavy weight, and it will never
0: bend like the. But that's what it is it keeps it well the 180 gram
4: is just durable enough for all the idiots now getting in the vinyl that don't know how to treat the vinyl yeah so it's not going to break as easily but the grooves aren't yeah. going to sound any better than 180 gram than they are in the old vinyl they're the same depth
0: but when you hear right. uh, audiophiles talk about shit they always say oh 180 gram Ooh, 180 gram. I'm, like, doing a jack-off motion right now, if you guys... They, weren't
3: they invented, like, first for, like, DJs and shit? Because they, they can scratch and do all that fucking shit they do and not ruin the record or something. I don't know. That's what I heard. I don't know if it's true or not, but, uh... That's how I heard those it. got started. The
4: only thing... The only thing the auto, audio files might be hearing on the 180 gram is it may be a remastered or a remixed version. And maybe they brought the low end up a little bit. Maybe they brought the mid-range or a treble, whatever. But the... The whole premise of 180 grams sounding better than the other vinyl is, I think, false. That's my opinion. That's what I've been led to believe. That's the science I've read. But you know, make your own opinion, I guess. Well, I, 180 sound, I don't
0: think they sound any better. I, I don't go no. out and go, ooh, I'm going to replace my uh, fly-by-night with 180-gram fly-by-night. No, I'm cool with the one I have, <laughs> you know i'm cool the only thing i'd probably replace is all the world stage because that thing is a little like you know staticky mm-hmm. on rush because i i'd replace it if it was like broken not to upgrade you know i only bought one brush right. box set moving pictures because that thing is awesome because it had neil Peart's drumsticks in there and a red barchetta car right here which i have on display I understand your fandom because I love Rush. They could put out live videos for fucking years and I'll just buy every one of those.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I don't get an an erection every time fans come out with remasters. However, I did when I was in the hospital. I bought uh, the Beatles and I bought Little River Band remasters. But, uh, you know, everybody, their band comes out with a remaster, they have to buy it. It's like, it's almost like, I don't know. It's almost like ripping the the customer off in my opinion. What, what about those Mega
0: Death remasters?
3: <laughs> I would fun. like to see Horrible. sticks come out. I would love to
0: see sticks come out with some
3: remasters, man. Oh That's they, they like
0: sticks, and Ario Speedwagon, I'd like to see yeah. some with some remasters. some Kansas.
3: Except for that last
0: Obama. Except for that last Obama. Why hasn't Boston done anything with any other older catalog? Like the first album, second album? Because they don't
3: need to. Those are fucking perfection albums. Yeah, you don't need to mess with those. But we we can add some,
0: like, bonus tracks. Maybe some tracks unreleased from
3: those albums.
4: And those two albums
3: were... I mean, their debut album was so fucking headed its time back in the 70s, dude. It doesn't need to be remastered, in my opinion. I got both
0: versions. I got the original vinyl and a redone mm-hmm. vinyl, because I got the different yeah. Thing. yeah, I'm like, I ain't getting rid of any of these. That's fucking awesome. I got both different versions of Boston's uh, first album. Fucking rule. Well, you
4: gotta I mean, say Tom Schultz was a, a mastermind at, at recording engineering. You know, oh, being is. a guy comes. He was an engineer at Kodak or something like that, and then uh, Polaroid. Polaroid. Just, Polaroid. Polaroid. There you go. And then he, um, you know, rolls and falls into this recording thing. And he said there was only one track on the debut recorded in a professional studio, and he won't reveal which track that is. But the
3: I have a feeling I know which one it is. He recorded I think it in, it's, it's in a, his basement, man. I think I think it's just a ride. I think that's what was recorded in a studio, a bigger studio. He fooled everybody. He fooled everybody. He fooled everybody into thinking that whole album was recorded in a studio, but it was recorded in his fucking basement, man. Yes, sir. He's a it fucking was. genius, dude. Lovely guy. And, you know, he doesn't have the, you know, like I said, it's it's just him mainly. But I saw him a few years back, man. He's fucking got a great backing band, dude. I mean, nobody ever replaced Brad, but, you know, they got some guys that do a pretty decent job. Um, <laughs> Michael so, Sweet uh, did a good job. Yeah,
4: he did a
2: great job. So he, 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 got perfect, he, got, yeah, he got
3: there He He got got yeah. there because Brad was starting to lose, uh, his ability to hit the higher notes that's why they hired michael for a while do you know that uh
0: what's it uh tom schultz wanted to get rick emmett in boston to tour with him uh, i was listening to the last eddie truck podcast and rick was talking I heard that about too rick was talking about that tom asked them they came down did some songs in his studio and he goes oh you congratulations you got the job being on a tour he says no we're not making an album he goes no you're he says i don't want to sing everybody." other people's greatest hits right <laughs> you know so i declined he thought he was going to make an album with him and tom said no we're just going to go out you're going to be a touring guitarist singer oh, well tommy
3: Tommy carlo the guy that got now i think he does a really good job he sounds like brad but he cannot sound like brad at times like in the originals is new, the newer boston uh albums that he recorded on what was uh, that <laughs>
0: album with brad his his solo rtz
3: rgz he's got uh the yeah the barry gibrow album he did uh uh what else did he do solo wise
0: i don't know dude but that guy had a voice of an angel
3: he did dude incredible voice god
0: damn you know you know what rick also said he said that uh somebody came up to him when they were on a tour with somebody uh who i forgot what the singer was he's like uh, oh steve perry came up to him and he goes you just hit an A and an E note in the same song? And he goes, yeah. <laughs> and he goes, oh, God, I wouldn't try that. <laughs> <laughs> Rick Emmett does, is not known for his vocals, but that guy had so much fucking range. Yeah, he did. He so did. So much fucking range. I love that. Fuck, I saw him. I didn't get to see Triumph, but I saw him on the Absolutely tour in a little club <clears> in uh, the valley up here in California. Yeah and he played a lot of triumph songs it was like we had a table it was a bar sitting there getting food watching rick play it's fucking like one of the greatest experiences of my life to see that man
3: play live oh man i saw him doing an unplugged show a real intimate unplugged show about 10 years in nashville man it was incredible dude i mean listen to fucking stripped down uh uh Triumph tunes and some of his uh, he did like two songs I've never heard of I think they were new originals I don't know if you ever released them or not. I, I didn't follow through on that but man sounded fucking great dude still can sing fucking plays the guitar amazingly it was, just, it was an acoustic set you know fucking just amazing sounding still
0: well he has to lower his register now because he can't hit those notes anymore which you get older you lose that except yeah. except if you're glenn hughes or michael sweet but michael sweet has said they've even lowered it a little bit so yeah, michael michael's lost a little of his range man. he still sounds good but he's lost a little range yeah but, but his they, range is still better than everybody else's range sure
4: absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah, Mike, michael on his worst day is better than most sure. people yeah and they dropped i think he said they'd like down like half a step or something like that yeah. to help him be able to do multiple nights in a row because he was still hitting the notes, but when you have to do three, four, five, six nights in a row, he was like, nope, can't do that. So this helps him do two or three nights in a row without ruining his voice. But I'm little really worried about his thyroid surgery he has to have them Oh,
0: God, yeah, I remember that.
4: Yeah, he says that they're going to have to remove part of his thyroid, and that could cause permanent vocal damage. I'm just like, oh, shit. You know, get out all your music now, buddy. Get yes. everything out.
0: I have he hasn't, I don't like his earlier solo stuff, it's kind of like, like, honestly, honestly kind of shit, <laughs> and that is the worst striper song ever, <laughs> honestly it's just, god damn, honestly, 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 it, it is the worst striper song ever, honestly, <laughs> it's like so fucking, like, I love you, oh, I love you, Jesus,
3: how can you hate that fucking song, dude, seriously?
0: The lyrics are cool, dude, because it's like...
3: It's one of the best power ballads ever in my It's opinion. like
0: I go, I mean, listening to fucking We Are The Soldiers of God's Good Man. It's like fucking just rocking their asses up. And then, honestly...
4: Okay, so, but take honestly and put that in Journey's hands. Have Steve Perry sing that song. It um, he would massive do it better.
0: Hit. He would do it a lot better. I said the lyrics are great, I just don't like the way they pulled Even th- when they redid it on that, uh, They redid their own songs, which those versions of those songs are my go-to now because they made them harder and tougher. And I don't know. They just uh, reborn. Oh, I forgot the name of the album, man. It's fucking great. Me and Eric always argue about re-recorded albums. Yes. Most re-recorded albums suck. Not the Striper one. (laughs) Not the Striper one.
4: No, that was, that was
3: kick-ass, man. Their worst ballad was on their next album. In God We Trust. I can't think of it, but it was fucking terrible. Um, I believe in you, or you believe in me, or you
0: uh, uh, you know what? I really don't like oh, any striper so ballads. I think the closest Why? ballad I like is calling on you. Calling
4: Ooh, that's on a great song.
0: You. Fuck yeah. Earworm, man. Fucking like earworm there. It's like you're singing that chorus the whole day, man. But I, I want to get to you guys, even though it's going to be seven weeks later after this, since you guys aren't doing a video. Uh, Jerry probably not doing. He's got to get some rest. But, uh, The KISS final shows, man, are happening this weekend. Today (laughs) is 12-2-2023 as we're recording this. So this will be not as fresh news, but I wanted to get you guys on a video for that, but it ain't happening. I will ask Lee that. So what do you guys think about the final shows, Mooger?
3: Well,
4: I'm one. I might be a sucker, but I'm one to tend to believe that. They are done touring as a touring entity. Will they do a not one-off show if they're given a million dollars to do it? Sure. Um, but I, it's, I don't care. Everyone's saying those two imposters and you know, Tommy and Eric don't deserve to be there and whatever, man. They kept the show going. I've seen this tour twice. I fucking loved it both times. It, you know, backing tracks be damned. I don't care. It's still a show. It still brings me back to my childhood when I used to sit in the front of my record player with Kiss Alive and just pretend I was at that show. The same magic is still there. And it's so great to see so many of my friends hopping around New York this weekend seeing these final two shows. I've been seeing all your comments.
0: They're my friends too. Matt Porter and yeah. all those people. Yeah, I'm happy for you guys. I, I'm just being a dick.
4: <laughs> no, it's okay. There's a lot of people out there being a dick. And that's okay. I, I, I'm a nice dick. I know. <laughs> yeah. but it, It's like it's good for us KISS fans. We're just celebrating, man. It's just giving us something to celebrate for. The show is amazing. I don't care if they're lip syncing everything. I don't care. The show is amazing. The songs are there. The energy is there. Um, I'm getting it on pay-per-view tonight. And yeah, I, got I, a li- I got some people coming over. It's a lot cheaper than going to New York City to Madison Square Garden. We got our own private bathroom and cheaper beverages. So,
0: oh god, I'm, I'm waiting. Little, thing, to- little things like that. Matter. I'm going to be waiting for your Facebook post on this tonight, drunken mooger. Like Ian, told, <laughs> like Ian told me on the Sam Hagar Musical Chairs episode. I've never seen the Mooger Fugar sober.
4: <laughs> you are looking at me right now more sober than I've ever been face to face with either of you.
0: Uh I it was classic. Fucking we're at the yeah. comedy show and you come up I know you, you know me, I'm the <laughs> mooger fooger. <laughs> that was classic, dude. I was instantly your yeah. friend right there. I was like
4: Yeah, well no, I was instantly your friend when you gave me a bottle of tequila. <laughs> <laughs> and Aaron quickly swiped that from my hands. <laughs> He was under strict orders from my wife to, to make sure I made it back home in one piece. Talking about
3: the bottle I left there.
0: <laughs> yep, Jerry. I was it? just going to bring that up. Yeah, that that was in lieu of Jerry. So it was we gave it to you both of us. Well, there you go. A bottle traveled far. Yeah. It is now, there. It- I go. Jerry left alcohol. What's wrong with him? <laughs> we were sick though.
3: We had COVID, man. Yeah, I was gone on Sunday morning, man. I was feeling like shit. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta get fucking home, dude. That's why I left really early that day. <laughs> all right, man. Jerry, your
0: final thoughts on this kiss yeah,
3: You know what? I, I'm awful with the new kiss. I I totally disagree with Mooger, but you know, it's cool with his opinion. If you if you love him that way, fine. Like I said, they did go out with a great album, Monster, with Tommy and Eric, so he's showing us not his all- kiss shirt. Yeah, it's shirt. it's not all bad. I mean, but uh I'll hoard him, man. Love that guy. And, he's, and he makes perfect sense. He says it every time we talk about Kiss. If you think they're not going to fucking do a tour on their 50th anniversary, you're smoking some fucking bad weed. This is not the end of Kiss doing tours. It, 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 it may be even, you know, uh, what do you call it when you fucking stay there for a week? My mind is going. Uh, residency. Residency somewhere, uh, possibly. I mean, and he said it is the end of the road. Yeah, not the end, of, not the end of the ocean where they do kiss cruises all the time, or uh, <laughs> do residencies, or you know, How? I, I I I don't see it, dude. I'm sorry, and I, and I don't blame them if they do because you are doing this your whole life and you got to quit it all of a sudden. You know what I mean? So I understand that the, the desire to want to keep touring, like even Motley Crue, they they have a desire to keep touring. It's what they've done their whole life. I agree. I, it sucks. What they, this, they, what they were playing do.
0: in Palm Springs on New Year's Eve.
3: You know, want to go? No. You, you, I, mean, I want to address something you mentioned a while you on Facebook about Peter Frampton. Now, Peter Frampton was only going to retire because he's got this horrible uh, like MS condition or something. Yes. He's, not, he's not saying he's going to retire. He just thought he wouldn't be able to play again. And, you know, like, his philosophy is we can keep playing, he's going to keep on touring. You know, he's even said that before a lot, as you know he I, should.
0: You know, I put up posts for conversation pieces.
3: I think what he has is uh, what Stephen Hawking has, or something similar to it. Uh, what, ALS, something like that? Is that what it's called? Like no, I, I do it's, it's some, It's some muscular, you know, issue uh, he has. I don't know. What, what, what Jerry's his... kids? I don't know. Oh, okay. I, I don't know. He's had some kind of muscular issue what was, you know, supposed to cripple him. And I guess... what
0: was Jerry? Muscular disc. Yeah, MS, yeah, MS. MS. Yeah.
3: Muscular sclerosis sclerosis. So dystrophy,
4: I don't know. It might be, I don't know. It's been a long time. Those God damn it, it thank God we, we are Boston. not doctors. We oh, are shit. not in the medical profession, okay?
0: <laughs> I'm just saying Jerry Lewis was awesome. I watched those telethons. <laughs> Nobody does a telethon anymore. Oh, he was a great individual. What happened he, to those?
3: And and the and the fucking other guy that does the children's hospital, what's that guy's name? Danny um,
0: Danny, Danny 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 Thomas. Danny Thomas.
3: Great fucking, you know, human beings, man. I mean, seriously. Marlo Starting Thomas like is that. pretty
0: cool, but she's married to Donahue, so I don't know.
3: Well, Marlo Thomas is
0: hot, man. She still looks good for her age. But... Yeah, she does. Uh, she was in Friends, too. as one. I think it was somebody's mother. But uh, let's get into this episode, man. I, it was my turn to pick. We've only done one episode about the Eagles or any member of the Eagles on here. We did The Border, The, the Great Lee. <sighs> Which I love that fucking album.
3: Fuck, on the Border?
0: A, on the Border. Fucking great album, man. If you guys haven't heard that episode, go back in the archives and check it out. Because I love me some Don Henley. I was going to do, uh, before Charles, uh, graciously left, uh, because he's going to do his own thing. Maybe by this time he's already started his new thing with his new co host. I know who it is. I ain't spoiling it because until he does it, I'm saying, like, I. Uh, Three shots down, man. I hope you're going by the time this episode comes out, Jerry. You
3: so, better uh, get healthy enough to fucking
0: do it. Ah, dude. Yeah, Charles told me his plan. He's told me already everything. Yeah, yeah man. That guy I would have picked, but I think Mooger Fugger is more available. <laughs> and I love this guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. No, it makes I, me feel so good. No, you're awesome, dude. I love you. You know, you're both, you're both number one picks, but I picked that. Every, sometimes I ask this guy to do an episode. He can on a Saturday. You're more open to Saturday. So that, that's cool.
4: That's, that's, and he picked a great
0: co-host. That guy rules. He will be guest on here a lot of times. I'm not going to spoil it because I don't know if this show has happened yet. I don't want to fucking take Charles's wind out of his sails. So, uh, let's get into this episode, man. I picked Don Henley, the end of the innocence released in 1989, June 27th. And man, this is his third solo album, co-lead vocalist of the Eagles, released, like I just <laughs> said. And then uh, this album is his best-selling release. Over 6 million copies sold, in the United States alone, peaking at number 8 and featured top 40 singles. He had five singles off this fucking album. The End of the Innocence, Heart of the Matter," The Last Earthless, Worthless, not Earthless, Worthless Evening, New York Minute, and, oh God, where's the other one here? How Bad Do You Want It? How Bad Do You Want It? And I oh, don't God. understand why a track that we'll get to you later wasn't a single. You fucking could have played on that popularity of that band. But uh, like, let's get into this, man. But before we get into this, I want to ask Mooger. Are you a Don Henley and Eagles fan? No,
4: I am a huge Eagles fan. And I respect Don Henley for uh, a lot of amazing music I do. So, yeah, there are no love lost between the Eagles or Don Henley or Glenn Pryde, for that matter. I mean, I love the whole band. And I've been a fan of the Eagles since I was fucking knee-high to a grasshopper. I mean, so, yeah,
3: no love lost to me. I love them.
0: Yeah. What about you, Jerry?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I love them both. I think uh, Don Henley is one of the best uh, lyricists and storytellers in the music business. Um, I got into them, you know, again, I got into him through MTV with, you know, Boys of Summer, All She Wants to Do is Dance. Uh, the Songs like that, and you hear on the radio like uh, Dirty Laundry and Sunset Grill. I mean, these are all fucking amazing tunes, that's a fucking
0: mm-hmm. great album.
3: And uh, I remember when this came out here in the first song. This was a huge VH1 album, this, uh, this, this, <laughs> this album was. My first The End of the Innocence. I was like, man, listening to the words of that song and fucking just uh, the music to it. With the great uh, Bruce Hornsby on the you new know, piano. Well, kind of, I guess I'm kind of... Well, well, everybody knows that anyway. Bruce Hornsby plays piano on that. Just a fucking incredible team, man. And it was the start of a fucking great album, dude. This album fucking is fantastic.
0: All right, man. So, I, I, I loved the Eagles. My mom was a huge Glenn Frey fan. She loved New Kid in Town. His song, uh, which, uh, Jerry, uh, spoiler alert, you picked Party Town by Glenn Frey, which that song has a lot of good memories for me, so I'll talk about that when we get to our tracks that we But, uh, man, I love Donovan. What a great drummer. Uh, they called him Golden Throat of the Eagles. You know, this guy is just amazing, amazing songwriter, amazing human being. He doesn't take sides. He just tells you common sense. So, I'm, I'm just saying, man, this guy is awesome. I love the Eagles. I wish I had money to go see them on that tour. But, Glenn... I love me some Joe Walsh, man. Joe Walsh is the best soloist of any of the Eagles. I'm sorry, Don Henley. Joe Walsh rules.
3: Well, Watch it. You, uh, well, fuck you, man. Don Felder is a better guitar player than Joe Walsh,
0: man. I'm talking about solo material. Don Felder's oh. solo material pales in comparison to fucking Oh, Felder's no, last album was pretty fucking good. Don Felder? Yeah. Did you hear Analog Man by uh, Joe Walsh? Yeah. That's a great fucking album. (laughs) Come on, Joe Walsh. Life's been good to me at the station. Fucking Funk 49 with the James
4: gang. What
0: the fuck, dude? He is the best Eagle. Best Eagle.
4: Out on his own, solo.
0: On his own, solo. And even with the Eagles, except they gave him that shitty song on Hotel California, which we haven't reviewed yet. But uh, he did have In the City from the fucking Warriors movie on. Uh... Yeah.
4: Did you guys see the Four Hour Eagle documentary? Yes, I did. I think it might have been. Yeah, that was amazing. Every band needs to do a retrospective like that. Yeah. Tom Petty did one. I oh, think get off the. I miss so. Tom Petty. Yeah, yeah that well, one Tom
0: Petty had... has a lot of uh, people in here on this album, so that kind of makes
4: sense. A lot of people. Yeah, uh, soul, yes. Campbell. <laughs> Campbell. Yep.
0: And Stan Lynch. <laughs> so uh I'm just gonna go man. I just love Don Henley. I love I love it. He, after inside job he kind of lost with we did cast country and stuff like that. And it's like eh, I think he's lost it, but uh he's made some good shit, but I love Don Henley, Glenn Frey, I love all the Eagles, man. So cool. But let's get, let's get into this let's get into album, but uh before we get into this album. Mooger Fugger picked End of the Innocence, the first track off the South. Here we go on the Freeform Rock podcast. Is daddy. Okay, Mooger, you picked the title track, Into the Innocence."
4: Okay, well, <clears throat> one of my favorite songs on the record, by the way. And I remember when it came out, and I heard it, I thought, man, this is really good, but uh, here are my notes. <laughs> Makes my heart hurt. <laughs> Pleasant sounding song for sure. Well produced, an amazing vocal, amazing lyric. Um, but my God, it's dark. It's dark. And, but sometimes you need that. Sometimes you got to be in that dark mood, right? Yep. And if you're just a little too happy, go ahead and pop this on and read the lyrics. So, um, I love, I really like this song. I think he sounds great on it. I think the lyrics are great. I think it's very well produced. It doesn't sound dated even when you listen to it today. Um, I think it's amazing.
0: The lyrics ring true today, too. It's like, damn, it says, man. This song is fucking timeless. Never get tired of it. I love the sax and Bruce Hornsby piano. It's amazing. I remember answering a trivia question on this album saying Bruce played piano and won the CD off a radio station back in the day. Yeah, there
2: was radio stations that you get wind shit off of.
0: That was cool. You You always wanted that speed dial phone to try to win those concert tickets. You know, that was fucking cool. I never won concert tickets, but I won this CD. So that made me fucking happy. First thing I like, I, I won the Def Leppard Hysteria CD too. That was cool. Uh, only two things I won. I won something, man. Good memories. Although this song is somber and how the, the country, this is, how the country, man, used to have an innocence towards it, you know, before all the media and shit came to it, this country was innocent, man. And he said it's somber. It just, it's like the armchair warriors are now social media warriors. So this song is timeless. It changed from that to, like, you get this shit in real time now. You get this fucking stupid people out there fucking talking shit about shit they don't know about. Man, it's a fucking great song.
3: What do you think about it, Jerry? Well, I mean, it was, this song was definitely about living in the, the results of a certain uh, president in the 80s. Um, that some people like, some people don't like. Uh, we won't get into that, but definitely, I mean, the, the line where they're beating plowshells the swords for the tired old man, the elected king, is a, uh, direct, li- a direct line meaning that certain president. Um, things change in the 80s as far as, uh, I don't know, uh, like Mark said, the innocence of the country seemed to be, you know, be not taken willingly from us, but took him, you know, from us, I'd say, um, uh, there's some, you know, some people view it as, uh, you know, like it, your parents getting divorced or whatever. They're, I guess you can reference that and some of the lyrics in it, but man, it is a fucking very heartfelt song around that time, and you're right, it does really come through today, too, so it's kind of prophetic, prophetic in a way, and, uh. Like I said, Don is one of the best fucking storytellers in in the music business. So, you know, there's no surprise that this fucking song rules. I love it. I'm off to a fucking great start. Start, man. Five out of five, man.
0: Nice. And then we get to the next track. How Bad Do You Want It? I'll take this one first. This is a killer song. Only thing I don't care about is the horns, man. It'd be a much better song if they get rid of the fucking horns. God dang, it has some tasty leads. And my only criticism is the horns. It did need that. But <laughs> I like the horns. Ah, no. What do you think about it, Mooger?
4: Horrible, unlistenable dribble. Sucks.
3: <laughs> Next, Jerry. I fucking love this song. Dude, It uh, features uh, Patty Smythe on it. Um, yeah. doing background vocals, and uh, he would uh. Return a favor for her on that uh, song a couple years later. Uh, Sometimes Love Ain't Enough. Is that what it's called? That yeah. song they did with Taddy Sniff? Yeah. It's a cool tune, man. Um, written by uh, Glenn Burtnick, of course, from he was in Sticks, Sticks for a while.
0: Heroes and Zeros. Um, he had an album. I love
3: Glenn Burtnick's Heroes and Zeros album is pretty good. I love the horns. song. It don't bother me at all, man. It features the great Danny Quartzmore on guitar, man. Uh, I think it's cool, man. How Bad Do You Want It? I like not, the song. Yeah. I think I think if they would have just replaced the horns with guitar riffs, it would have been better. That song used to be our, we used to joke, we used to play a lot, of, a lot of stage growing up. I mean, not growing up, but like, you know, in my 20s and 30s, a lot of people. It was just, it was a running joke that I, was, I don't want to get into it right now. I'll explain it later to you guys if you're bored or something and want to get put to sleep. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, mean, I love the song. So yeah, it's a five out of five for me. Well, the only thing, the, I
4: was a little harsh on it, but... If it would have had a better production, this is like slick 88, 89 production. If they would have just produced it a little bit better, and I'm with Mark, take those horns out maybe, and put some guitar in. Um, But I'm not
3: against horns.
4: Oh,
3: I love
0: horns. I'm a huge Huey Lewis and the News fan, and a Chicago fan. So,
3: you gotta look who you're dealing with. You're not dealing with, uh, you know, Bruce Dickinson's solo album or James Hetfield's album. It's a Don Henley album. He has a certain style and a certain. You won't know, see him go country, 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 and he sings, man.
0: Oh, but he didn't mm-hmm. have to do that. He could have took those horns out and put guitar riffs with that same tone. You know, would have been better. Uh, been... Because the song is "How bad do you want it?" Not, not bad, bad but it? those horns take away the fucking hard lyrics to me.
3: See what I'm saying? So you like the horns? You don't like the horns on that one. You like the horns on that horrible. In it in it, in it, you like the, the, songs. Horns on the horrible NXS song on the Lost Boys. You like the horns on that song. Oh
0: God, yes. Uh,
3: what do you these, mean? Next song. NXS NXS didn't
0: line. have fucking horns on that song. Or no, the one. Not, not the one. I'm thinking of. Uh, That's I believe, right? Or, uh, I still believe. What you need? What you need? What you need? What you need didn't have horn. Oh yeah, it does. A ton of horns. Yeah, fucking. Have you ever heard fucking? Like in- Obviously, I heard it. Have I'm you heard Listen Like this. Thieves? That album <laughs> rules, dude. All right. That guy who know. plays the horn at- in excess is a multi-instrumentalist. The fucking guy he to everything.
3: The, the guy who plays horns on Tina Turner is better than that. But he was the guy in The Lost Boys. Big fucking muscle. That wasn't the same guy,
0: wasn't it? It was the same guy in the hospital. Oh, it was, I, it was I was still believe and he's doing
3: that horn. That's yeah, him. Uh, yeah, I, I mean it was too buff dudes. so I guess it makes sense. It probably was, yeah. It so. was her. It was him. <laughs> <laughs> All,
0: right. All right, man. Well let's get to the uh next song, The Last Worthless Evening, which Jerry picked. What's course not, I, I will not go quietly. Oh, I will what? not go quietly, which yeah, I picked. I thought,
4: there
0: you go. Oh shit, my bad. Which I picked on the Freeform Rock podcast.
1: About
2: leaving town, I could have died if I wanted to. Slipped over the edge and drowned. But on my way, I won't give up that easy, no. Too
1: Sorry for interrupting the podcast. I just want to take a second to thank all of you for listening. Please take a second to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Podbean. And join the Freeform Rock Podcast community on Facebook. Now, back to the show.
0: All right, I will not go quietly featuring the great Axl Rose. And before I get into why I picked this song, it's because i remember hearing stories about this recording of this song and axel i think broke a lot of microphones just fucking singing his ass off on the background of this song See, they had to keep replacing microphones because he goes,
2: i will not lie down
0: you know ah you just fucking singing his ass off in this song this song rules axel like i just said sings background vocals in this i already told you the story i think he broke like 10 microphones this is don henley Fucking fucking his vocals are just fucking so amazing, man. This is like hard rock fucking Don Henley rider. I will not lie down. He's fucking telling you to fuck off. He's telling you he doesn't give a shit what you think. He's telling you he's not gonna go down quietly. The guitar wrists on this song fucking rules. I fucking love this track. What do you
3: think about it, Jerry? Uh so fuck another great song, dude. I mean it features uh Written co-written by uh, Danny Corchmore, and it has the great Waddy Wachtel on uh, guitars as well. Uh, well, I can't really say the great Waddy Wachtel because he has some kind of he had some uh, child porn issues, I guess, in the past that weren't. He's uh, basically with Stevie Nicks' guitarist for a long time, and Stevie never believed that he did, so that's why she kept him. She still, to this day, has has him as a tour her touring guitarist, but uh. Yeah, I mean, a lot of good musicians on it. It's a good fucking tune. Um, I think Axel kind of oversings this part, but that's just the way Axel is. It's a Don Henley song, man. So it's got to be, you can't go too far, you know, left or right. It's got to be somewhere in the middle. Well, with that being said, it's still a great song. Dude, he added a lot of flavor. You can hear his voice, dude. Mm -hmm. I'd say I like the song. I mean, the reason they got, they're recording in the same studio, and I think Don just. Same uh, record company kind of fan, and they were like, you know, blah, 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 blah. I thought a lot of those, you know... He played drums things.
0: with uh, Guns N' Roses on the MTV Awards, too. It's true, but, uh, man, it, it is a great song, though, dude. So what do you think about it, Mooger?
4: Um, I I really like the song a lot. Um, it's got that kind of bluesy guitar look in it. Um, the, only, you, the only thing I will say about it is it does still have some of that 80s, slick 80s production it didn't need. But what can't... I mean, the song is on fire. Like you guys said, it's just a hard-driving song. It's a great song. But as I was listening to it, my mind kind of flipped it. You know, this is such a heavy, you know, kind of a straight-ahead song. I'm like, this would have made an amazing ballad in my head Ooh. in my mind. I mean, really, take those same lyrics, kind of take the same music, but slow it down, put it on piano. Why? And I think it would have been beautiful. Why? I don't know that's just what ideas <laughs> from my mind gets
0: that's cool man I, I, I can't see this song as a fucking ballad he got fucking Don Ridley said woke up with a heavy head and I thought about leaving town could have died if I wanted to reach over the edge and drown he's just fucking rhythm singing in this song it's like I like can almost like rap but it's fucking singing It's like a
4: it's the way he just it's started. a great song I, I still give it like a three out of five it's oh, a great song why
0: that that I give uh, it a five out of five. Oh, now we get to Jerry's song, "The Last Worthless Evening" on the Freeform Rock Podcast.
2: Let your faint glimpse of love sometimes, but it never blooms. God knows we could use some romance
0: Jerry, the last worthless evening. Oh man,
3: I mean, what a fucking a heart pulling on your heart screen type of song, dude, about really loving a woman, man. And I think we've probably all been through that, you know. Where we wanted to really get in a relationship with this person and uh, you know, treat her well and all that shit. well with that being said, musically I think it's I love the way it flows. It's got that uh, capo guitar on the first fret, acoustic playing, which I really like. Um, a guy named John Cory plays the keyboard and the guitars, and I think he plays a bass on it as well. Um, the video actually has, has Cheryl Crow singing background vocals. She hasn't sang; she sings background on one of the songs on this album. But uh, she sings back. You can see her singing background on this song. Uh, the time, time ticking part. Um, uh, it's just a. It's one of those songs that fucking, you know, Don's voice, man. Holy shit, dude. It's just so heartfelt and believable, man. It's, there's no, there's no, uh, what am I saying, imitation or no lies. It's, it's, it's pure, it's pure, you know, ah, it's yearning, man. And he does it so well, dude. It's a fucking perfect song, man. It's one of my favorite songs of all time, actually. And uh, definitely a five out of five in my books, man.
4: All right, Mooger, what do you think about it? I can't say more than what Jerry said. It's a, it's a great song. And after doing my homework out of every song on this record, this is the one song I played like three times back to back. And it's still in my head this morning (laughs) when I'm tooling around the house. I'm still singing that line, those lines in my head. And yeah, it's depressing enough to slit your wrist to, but it's, it's just the way it's produced, the way it's sung, the lyrics. It's a perfect song. Five out of five.
0: Yeah, this has to be one of the best ballads of all time. Just listen to the acoustic guitar that's going on in this song. So amazing. Don Henley's voice has so much fucking emotion in this fucking song. Talking about the break breakup with a woman that you fucking love and you're telling her this is the last worthless evening because you feel she doesn't fucking love you. But you're going to give her a great evening, but you're telling her this is worthless evening that you ever have. It goes, this song rules. God dang, this is a pretty fucking sad song. Like you said, you want to slit your wrist to do. (laughs) But fuck, he's telling this woman, hey, man, I loved you, but I'm going to give you something that you think is a worthless evening, but it's going to mean something to me. I think that's what he means on this song, you know?
4: I think he's letting her go. I think he's, he doesn't want to let her go, but he knows that she doesn't doesn't want to stay. But she doesn't want to stay. So he's like, hey, you know, this is the last worthless evening
3: you'll have to... Yeah. Um, the, the very first lines contradict what you're saying. The first lines are, no, you broke up, broke up with him and your heart's still on a shelf. Yeah.
0: So he was like the guy who came in after her love.
3: I, I view it differently. I view it is as, you know, I can treat you better than this guy. Last worthless evening means last worthless evening... I mean, he's saying, give me a chance to show you how to love again. I think it's because he wants to go out with the girl. Not think he's trying to get rid of her. I, I think it's the it was, opposite. she was
0: breaking up with him. And he... No, I mean,
3: think about it. This is the last worthless season that you have to spend. Just give me a chance, darling, to show you how to love again.
0: But you know what happens when you try to get a woman that had another guy that she but, loved? It never works out. But, without being said,
3: that's the fucking great things about songs like that. It's up here what you think of it, man. And it's one of those songs that does it, man. It's a fucking, you know, one of those songs, man. You guys think one way, and it makes sense what you're saying, but in the way I'm saying it, it makes sense to me. So it just
0: makes sense to both sides. Makes sense to me. Yeah,
3: I, I
4: agree. Well, Jerry, I like your side because I don't want to slip my wrist when I think your <laughs> <of the pure laughs> way. <laughs> when I think I'm letting somebody I love walk away because they don't love me anymore, that crushes me. But you're saying, hey. He's dude. like, just hey, you just you just spent your last worthless evening. Let me show you how to love, and come back you now. Come with me, yeah. dude. You have hey, been
0: you've been with your wife over thirty years, right, man?
3: I actually met her in eighty seven. Huh? We weren't we, we weren't together the whole time. Like I said, we have both of Both
0: of you have been with your significant yeah, others a long time, man.
3: I, I, I fucking admire both of you. Well, we weren't together through the 90s uh, much at all. It's basically from the 80s and 2000s, we were together.
0: But I'm saying you and Mooger, man, you guys have that long relationship. And and I'm like, dang, man, I had three wives. And it wasn't my yeah, fault. He,
3: it just took me a, real, a couple years to realize that she was the one for me. I mean, yeah, I had some decent, you know, flings, but, you know. It always came back. Well, my first one one cheated on
0: me and left when I came home from work, and I just bought the Avenger tickets, and she said, "Yeah, let's go to the Avengers," and then she's gone. Yeah, I just bought movie tickets. I mean, you're gone. (laughs) Every time, every time I'm in the hospital, this woman spends every night there with me. I asked you about your wife. I said, "How is she doing?" Because I know my wife would be going crazy because this one actually cares about me
3: she's she has the she she doesn't have the breakdown and cry type of thing. She's gonna say you're gonna be all right attitude.
0: I like. You know that. what I mean. I like your wife yeah, is yeah. amazing. By the way, even though she yeah, likes she Charles better, she, I still think she's amazing.
3: She never she actually never really had a chance to talk
0: to you one on one. Well, we were in the fucking place. I tried to. You know, I did.
3: It was a night where everybody was smoking around the, you know that circle. of People, uh, I forget
0: who was on it. Uh, Fuck, Ian. Ian did take it because he was getting a new job. He didn't smoke with us. We smoked some weed. All right, where are we at next, anyway? All right, man. Well, did I talk about Last, last Worth this evening? No, I
3: didn't. I think you, you did. Oh, yeah, I you did. Said you did. All right,
0: so let's get to New York Minute.
3: What do you think about this, uh, Jerry? Well, I spent the majority of my time on this album disliking this song. I never liked it until a few years ago. Um, I started listening to it again. I'm like, man, this is a fucking great tune, dude. The story behind it, I mean, is incredible. I love the slow, haunting approach to it. I kind of like those. I don't ask who the background band was. A boy band or something, where it's the background singers in that song. But I, yeah, I learned to really like this song. I give it a five out of five now. And I used to like laugh at it and say it sucked back in the days, and I was wrong. It's a good tune. I don't know, it just says J.D. Souther was there
0: and some Charlie Date Drayton, Evan Neville Take 6 Edie Brickell was backing vocals on a track 8 Melissa yeah. Etheridge Take. on track 8 too, Cheryl Crow at 9 J.D. Souther. he has a lot of fucking
3: musicians on his
0: fucking album Yeah, there was
3: a boy band on Take 6 Ooh. Yeah, I never heard of them either but, uh, oh, I, I, no, I, I heard of them, they're horrible in yeah, the next song, they do they do, backing, <laughs> they do backing vocals on the next song too as well. No, I
0: I I I've hated uh, boy groups since I saw fucking New Kids on the Block on MTV. I Go, what the fuck is this shit? Fuck this! Bring me some striper.
3: You got the rest of the god I wonder if, an old, wonder if we could start an old fuck band if that would catch on, you know? Old fuck. Like a boy band with like, us old asses doing it. Most well, people would listen to it.
0: Well, I can't sing, so. You've no got the rest of day, day, day. <laughs> you know? Hey, you and Mooger could do that, I'll manage you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm oh,
3: man, man. With our posters and all the fucking old folks' homes and shit, man. <laughs> fucking hey, dude. Hey, old ladies
0: will love you guys, man. <laughs>
3: You fucking featured on ARP,
2: man?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Speaking of ARP, they are sponsoring the new Rolling Stones tour. <laughs>
3: so, <laughs> can't make that shit up. Hey, guess who was on the cover of ARP this month? Ringo. If Ringo says it's okay, then it must be alright, man. Did you? Jo- yeah, you get a lot of discos. I haven't joined yet. Hey, I- I'm gonna fucking take advantage of them. I have no shame in getting my 10-cent coffee at McDonald's. I fucking <laughs> earned it, man. Give it to me, man. <laughs> I'm an entitled old fuck, man. I want what's given to me. I want my ten cent coffee, fucking quarter donuts at Dunkin' Donuts. Give it to me, all man. Dude, Dunkin' Donuts is
0: horrible. Ugh, fucking worst apple fritter ever. God, ooh, man. there's no apple, apple fritters.
3: Rule. Yeah, there no... is.
0: Have you had? You need to go to a Chinese. You probably market...
3: go. You probably go to like Walmart and get. No, your donut.
0: you need to go to a Chinese donut shop, man. Where they fucking put apples in their apple fritter. It's just apple flavor in a Dunkin' Dunkin'. Apple. There's a- apple apples H2. in their fucking apple fritters, dude. All right. Yeah. So I'll go next. I'll let Mooger go last on this one. I was, all, I was reading when I was doing research for this album. My homework, like Mooger was talking about. He's doing homework. I don't consider doing homework on music. Music is just awesome. It's like, even if I don't like it, it's cool just to hear something different. But this one, I I read that Don Henley likes to write songs in his car or wait for (laughs) inspiration to strike him. And I'm like, oh, that's fucking cool because my best thinking about doing this podcast is putting these albums on in my car and fucking blasting the fuck out of them to get fucking what I'm going to say. Sometimes I forget what I'm thinking at the moment when I'm driving my car. I try to remember, but it's fucking awesome. Then I'll listen to it on headphones at work. This is a fucking great fucking song. You think about it. He's talking about, you know how New York is fast and hustle and bustle? It's like in a New York minute, everything can change. In a New York minute, you know, your life can change in a second. And that's what he's talking about here. It's fucking the way he's singing this, everything could change. Fucking lyrics are so great. I love this song. His voice is so amazing on this fucking song. Fucking so emotional. You can feel what he's thinking about, man. I love this fucking song. What do you think about yeah, that? I mean, the, the, the keyboards and fucking that
3: acoustic piano are just oh, God, insane so on this song, yeah.
0: And the lyrics have meaning if you if you read the lyrics, uh, Charles Trainer, What do you think about this,
4: Mooger? Well, for one, I am so, so happy Don Henley finally found a happy spot. <laughs> That's very sarcastic, by the way. Um... <laughs> What, what can't... I mean, God, what can you say about his voice on this entire record? Like the song or don't like the song, in my, you know, in my opinion? His voice is just so good. And the lyrics are amazing, the production is great. Like I said, this is another one of the songs that does not sound dated when you put it on. Uh, you put it on, it sounds like it could have been on the radio today. It doesn't have a lot of slick production to it. The emotion in what he's saying, you feel it... Um, Like I said, I mean, I'm just finally happy he's happy. Um, But I'll give this a 5 out of 5. Yeah.
0: Oh, wow. So we get to the next track, Shangri-La. I'll take this one first. I don't understand the slow beginning with the little tribal drones, but then it starts going. It's really good. This song has a little bit of funk to it, killer rhythm. Loving the drums in the background. His voice is on top again. Really cool song. Plus the guitar, like it has some weird sound to it, but it fucking works. What do you think about it, Mooger?
4: Oh, what can where do I start on this one? Um, Production's horrible. His voice is amazing on every song. I will say that from the top. But basically, (laughs) my only notes on this was horrible, unlistenable. Skip, Next. Zero,
3: Oh, Jerry. Yeah, I'm not so with Mulligan on this one. I wasn't crazy about this song. Man, it does have these weird drums on it, and this weird tone. Actually, I don't think his voice is that great on it, in my opinion. It's just, it just doesn't never catches on fire to me. It just like seems to just <laughs> flatline all the way through. <laughs> um, so, I mean, you know, it's just the the songs before. I mean, the first five songs. I mean, come on, and then you get this song, not even closer in the same ballpark. You know what I mean? So yeah, I'm going to give this one a 2 out of 5. Oh, well. Okay. This ain't no, this ain't no Shangri-La.
0: See, I, I I like it, but I'm saying it it's a weird song. It's an album track. Mm-hmm. It Maybe it's, it's filler. I agree with you guys on that one, man. I didn't yeah. give this album a perfect score, so probably because of this song.
3: But then we get the little tin God, Jerry. I uh, you talking about another song that is very relevant today about worshiping, you know, fucking people with power and shit like that. It's even more, more fucking realistic nowadays, this song. Um, I like it, man. I mean, it's not the best song on the album. It's definitely better than the last one. But, you know, the great J.D. Souther wrote this song. Co um, okay, wrote it, I mean. Danny Corchmore again. That's catchy, it's got some catchy parts to it, but uh eh, still not as good as the first five songs. I'll give it a three out of five
0: though. Alright. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the beginning sounds like a little rush here, keyboard sound from the Grace Under Pressure album to start the song. A little eighties keyboard. It's nineteen eighty nine, so it gets no excuse for that. But then it goes all reggae, which is pretty cool if you like reggae. Music is pretty happy sounding, but the lyrics are
3: way dark.
0: I like it, how... Yeah, huh? It is very
3: reggae. You're right. It is very reggae.
0: Very reggae sounding. But the thing is, the ly- it sounds like a happy song, but like reggae, read the lyrics. He's talking about some fucking deep, fucking dark shit. He's talking about people starving. This is like a killer filler on this song. and I like it. What do you think about it, Mooger?
4: I think the lyrics are amazing and I'll say it again. His voice is really good on this song. Um, the lyrics once again are amazing. He could have just put this to a different song. This is generic eighties puke garbage. I hate it. I will not listen to the whole thing, <laughs> uh, wow. but the lyrics, the lyrics are great and he is talking about some important shit. And if it would have just been on another song, I think it would have made more of an impact. I, I just, the music's not there for me. The productions out there for me. I mean that, that's me. You know, I don't wanna shit all over a great album, but he's really getting some he's getting some misses here on the back end of it. That's my opinion.
0: Well that's cool, man. We like opinions. So we get to Gimme What You Got, I'll take this one first. This song has some killer rhythm to start with, feel good. Before he sings, man, you know it's gonna be a great song. This song is very well crafted, the lyrics are so deep, but the music is so good you You can't, don't listen, listen to the lyrics, and then listen to the music secondly, because you're going to notice how dark they are, and this is a great song. What do you think about it, uh, Mooger?
4: Um, I'm with you. Um, Listen to the lyrics first, music second. Um, All of these songs, there's not one song on the record that isn't lyrically deep. I mean, I'll give that to Don Henley. I just, but, (laughs) I'm sorry. But my notes on this are, why is it so fucking bad? Nothing (laughs) good here. And I'm only talking about the production and the music. I'm not talking about the lyrics. I'm not talking about his vocal, because he always delivers on lyrics and vocals. But, man, it just sounds dated to me. There are certain songs on this record that absolutely do not sound dated when I put them on today. This one is completely dated. It's just not good. The lyrics are, though, okay?
3: What do you think about it, Jerry? Uh, so I fucking love this song, dude. I think it's got a lot to do with greed. Everybody wanting everything, man. Give me what you got, you know? Um, again, relevant to today, and Don Henley's always, you know, in that, this is like what, uh, 11, 35 years ago? It was very relevant then. More relevant? No? You know, that's probably a little more relevant because in the 80s is when people started, uh, using their credit cards over fucking using their credit cards, give me everything, um, buy everything, greed, everything, and he nailed it here in this song. And the music's good, too. I mean, I know uh, Stan Lynch co-wrote this song as well. Um, yeah, I like this song. It's one of the longest songs on the album, I think, if I remember right. Um, i gave give it a four out of five. It's not the best song on the album, but it still really is good.
0: The longest song was New York Minute. Six minutes and thirty seven seconds oh okay the I know mean, this evening was six o three this song was uh six ten so it was it was up there yeah a video off right? a video off sir. yeah I don't know but then uh we get to uh give me what you got right are we already No, we did that no if were uh, dollars mooger
4: I like it. Um, it's got a nice little blues guitar lick in it You know, it's kind of obligatory to the time of, you know, that decade I mean, everyone was kind of doing it So on that point, the, the music falls into a little bit of a generic zone But it's just really well produced Great vocal um, It's an easy song to listen to um, I'd actually give this one 4 out of 5
0: Nice I'll let you go last on this one This song bumps I love the guitar sound on here this album has a theme about Lost Innocence. You can hear it in the lyrics of Dark. They are, again, I keep saying how dark this album is, but man, the music is fucking great on this, man. Don's lyrics are, he's a master lyricist. I think this song is about homelessness. I don't care about his politics, but he talks about things that need to be talked about. What about you, Jerry?
3: Yeah, I agree. It's definitely, you know, if dirt were dollars, we'd all be in the black. How true is that? It's like a quote from the great Eddie Murphy of 48 Hours. If poor people were born without assholes, shit would be worth something, you know? Um, no, I said that wrong. If shit were worth something, poor people would be born without assholes. That's it, yeah.
2: Um, yeah,
3: I mean, it's definitely about that. I mean, And you mentioned the opening riff. It's fucking phenomenal, dude. And the acoustic guitar playing is incredible on it. This is definitely one of my favorites on the album. Now we're back to fucking... Great songs. This is a five out of five, so
0: and then we get uh the last song on the
3: album. Oh, actually actually this does feature Cheryl Crow on Vacuumville for you, Cheryl Crow fans. Uh.
0: Yep. And then we get the last song of the album, The Heart of the Matter, man, with uh some Mike Campbell on here. Don Henley and Southerner wrote this. What do you think about it, Jerry? Oh
3: <sighs> like the last worthless evening, where there in my opinion, there is hope. This is the other spectacle. This is like the, this song is about total fucking heartbreak, in my opinion. Um, just, I actually had somebody call me saying somebody wants to break up with me. So I can relate to those first lines. I got the call today. I didn't really want to hear. Um, so I kind of can relate to that in a way. Um, and it's just such a heartfelt, sad song, man. And it, it, it just, it just. A great ending to a very well thought of lyrically album, <laughs> you know? Um like you said, it's written by Mike Campbell and JD Salver. Um what can what more can you say, dude? This is a fucking it's it's, it's a tear jerker song, man. It really is a good tune, man. Five out of five, without okay. a doubt.
0: I'm just saying Tom Petty wouldn't have been Tom Petty without Mike. I'm just saying that guy does not get enough credit for Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Or his solo albums, because Mike was on there producing it with him. and His other one did one bad thing, Mike Campbell. The Dirty Knobs? I like the Dirty Knobs. <laughs> him joining Flea with that Oh, That was horrible. horrible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Alright, man. So, uh, I'll get to it, and I'll let you, Mooger, go last. Uh, two killer great ballads on one album. 1A and 1A. Just a great song. Sit here and just soak in those lyrics. Listen to Don's voice an inspiration that he's doing on this album he is a musical genius what else can i say about the song listen make your own opinion another killer song about lost love this album gets nine out of ten bong rips because there is some slow moments in this album i can't make it perfect i can't make it like building the perfect beast that album fucking rules future review coming up maybe in the next two years but uh i suggest you might want to just listen to it. Listen to a master songwriter. This album rules. What do you think about it, Mooger?
4: Tom Petty called he wants free falling back. <laughs> it's the this same is chord, free it's the falling. Same progression. <laughs> Mike Campbell, it's cool, but she took the same song a few places. That being said This so, came out
3: this came out before her full moon feed, I think.
4: I don't know. They were both released in '89. I don't know which one Uh, came out. I think
3: this came out first, though.
4: Okay, so then he must have taken that that riff over to Tom Petty, then. But but
3: anyway, that they both worked. They both
4: worked. But you're right. Absolutely. You know, if I wasn't such a nerd, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have even heard that. But um, no, but my notes on it are: it's a very pretty song. It's easy listen. It's well produced. But, uh, keeping with the theme, the lyrics are dark, but it's in a smooth way that you don't really... If you're not really listening to the lyrics or reading the lyrics, you're just kind of listening to the song, it's just an easy song to listen to, man. It's well-produced. Once again, put it out today. It does not sound dated to me. Um, I give this one a 5 out of 5.
0: Man, that's cool. So you didn't really... I think you liked half this album, and you didn't like half the album, Luger.
4: Yeah, It listen? happens.
0: It wasn't as bad as you told me I thought you were going to say.
4: No, I was just teasing. I was punchy. You were doing a Jerry?
0: What the fuck? Now I got two Jerrys fucking with me? What (laughs) the fuck is this shit? God damn. I'm not going to win on this shit.
4: We love you, Mark.
0: All right, man. So that was our review of uh, Don Henley's End of the Innocence. Uh, Check it out. It is worth your uh, time. You might not like all the songs, like me and Jerry mooger was 50 50 that's pretty fucking cool so now we get to our tracks of the week man jerry you picked a song by glenn fray right that fucking has great memories to me great pick because my mom loved this song because i had a tape my next door neighbor gave me it was a, that album no fun allowed which uh she took to the garage and took it from me and it was dancing <laughs> to party town man you pick party town man Great song.
3: Yeah, I, actually, I remember we were allowed to bring records into, like, was, I can't remember what, what grade I was in, but was, I was in, you know, middle school, and uh, singing the songs. It's like, packed up the car, and I got some gas, singing, told everybody they can kiss my ass. And, I was in a Catholic school at the town, and they're all to at me like, <gasps> what'd you say? It was, that's, that's a memory. That's a good, funny memory I have with that song, dude. And uh, it's a cool tune. I'm not a huge, that's probably the only Grinch, Glenn Fry solo song I like. You don't like You Belong to the City? Oh no, no, no!
0: What's wrong with heat,
3: you? The, the heat is on. it just fucking. The heat, the heat is on off. rules. Uh-huh. God well, on We're talking about horrible fucking horns. That fucking <laughs> the thing. heat is on. Works and and you
0: belong maybe to because it, it's it. Beverly Hills cop.
2: <laughs> Beverly Hills cop. Oh. Come on. Smuggler's blues. Smugglers' blues, Miami Vice, Miami Vice, man, Miami shit. Vice,
3: and you belong to the
0: city with the Miami Vice, character.
3: too. The coolest character ever. I can't remember his name. It was when Al Bundy played the fucking drug dealer. He was the best fucking character on that show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh god! And then we get to me. I picked a Don Hitley song. It was off his greatest hits. Actual Miles. Stan Lynch had a lot to do with this song. This is my all-time favorite. Don Henley solo fucking song called Garden of Allah. Allah, um, oh, yeah. Ah,
3: yeah.
0: That fucking song is like PP- ouais a- <finish> In the Garden of Allah Fucking dude, the drums that Stan is playing that fucking song. My God. This song is fucking euh, meticulous. I've been down. He does that little like devil voice in the song. And he goes, All we care is money, 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 you know. (laughs) it's fucking the song fucking actually goes for today, man. It's like the devil's fucking controlling everything.
3: Fucking love this fucking song. And and then hold on I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. There's a there's a in the liner notes here, there's an interesting little line he mentions about Stan Lynch and I never really understood what it meant. Uh, He said, uh, we'd like to especially thank Stan Lynch for inspiration and motivation. It was husky. Kind of curious what that means exactly. I never could figure out what that means.
0: I don't know. I love uh, Steve Ferroni and Tom Pit in Heartbreakers. But Stan Lynch was the best drummer in that band. I, I think he got screwed. The whole reason but the breakup with Stan and Tom. It's because Tom didn't bring him on a solo album. He brought everybody else from the Heartbreakers, except Stan.
3: Well, maybe maybe that that line has something to do with that because it was around the same time where he got he got kicked out. If I remember right, so. Stan
0: was the fucking goofy guy in the band. He fucking gave that band personality. I thought I loved him. I've seen him many times with Tom Petty. Been great. Always in the pocket. He has a he has a Steve Ferroni was just like. Like you guys call that one G from Guns and Roses, what's that guy's name? Velvet Max Maxorum. Max he was kind of a robot, robotic drummer. Like uh what do you call uh Vinnie a in Black Sabbath you got Bill Ward playing that rhythm. It's like Stan Lynch was the Bill, Bill Ward in frickin' uh Vinnie uh Bill Ward and you know what I'm saying. He like Steven Adler on Okay, like Guns
4: and you know, Let me clarify that for you, Mark. Okay. You're saying that Stan was the Bill Ward of Tom Petty and Black Sabbath. So yes. So, you got, you know, okay, yeah. Well, you as have as Bill Ward piece, and they... Black Sabbath. And, yeah. And you yeah. Stan and Tom oh. yeah. it, it's The drummers really do make a sound.
0: Yes, they do. Uh,
4: and a feel of the band. Um, you know, no one had the, you know, Bill Ward came from a big band swing kind of rhythm. And you listen to War Pigs, you listen to any of those songs, you hear that. When you listen to Stan, you hear something. You hear Stan. His signature's all over those early records. Um, when you replace it with, you know, you replace Stephen Adler with uh, Matt Sorum or, you know, Stan with whoever, and then you get Vinny to come in on Bill Ward, it's, it just changes the sound. Yeah. It's never the same. I yeah,
3: The thing, cool thing about drummers, everybody thinks a good drummer's got to play a million miles an hour. Um, that's not true at all. I mean, look at Nick Mason from Pink Floyd, dude. I mean, is it the most fastest, but it's so fucking smooth sounding. And even Mark Poitner Mark said, they did a cover of Us and Them Dream Theater did live a few times, and he said it's not an easy song to play. I mean, it's, it's slow and simple as it sounds. It's not easy to play or you get the rhythm to, so... Yeah, you don't like, you don't have to be a million mile per hour player to, or a hard hitting player to be a good drummer, in my
2: opinion. What,
0: so what I'm saying, Steve Ferrone is a great drummer, like Matt Sorum, but Stan Lynch was Tom Petty and Heartbreakers' drum sound. It's like you can't replace that. You Steve Ferroni's great, you know. It's like when uh, what's that guy's name from fucking uh, Roger Taylor left Duran Duran for the notorious album. Steve Ferrone came and played on it. It wasn't the same. It was still my favorite Duran Duran album because of the songs.
3: Roger honestly, Taylor's from Queen. Eh?
4: Not
0: Roger Taylor. John, Not John Taylor. Not Andy
3: Taylor. It's Roger. You know, he it's, is. Roger Taylor. it's Roger, Roger is. Taylor. Taylor it the two down. Roger Taylors? Okay. The so. two Roger Taylors drumming. What are, the, what are the odds of having three Taylors that aren't related in a band? What the know. odds of that, man? Duran Duran <laughs> rules, by the way.
0: I'm just saying, see, Frone had that not, not notorious. He had a swing, but the thing is, I think Roger would have done it better.
4: <laughs>
0: it's just my thing. Great. Yeah, I speaking that of people sword.
4: swapping out drummers, is like Liberty DeVito leaving uh, or getting kicked out of Billy Joel's oh, band.
0: Dude, Liberty DeVito was amazing. Yeah, I seen him and live. Like Jerry the was saying,
4: front. he's not the quickest. He's not the most hard hitting. But you can't deny those drum beats and what he brought to the music. And it's, in the, in it's the
0: swing. It's like Mike Mangini in fucking Dream Theater. Mike Portnoy was that. It, it's, it doesn't sound the same,
3: you know. Yeah, you, and Peter Chris is drumming on uh, dress to Kill" and "Fucking Hotter uh, um, Than Hell." Man, had that same fucking big band feel to it, man. It worked really well with this. Yes, two sir. Albums. It's like Neil Peart
0: took over for John Russly, but what do I want to hear? I want to hear Neil Peart. That's the exception there. The exception with drummers, actually, they got better with Neil. <laughs> so there you go. You got to turn that around, but uh, Mooger, seven weeks ago, right now, a new Ace Fraley song came out, 10,000 Volts. You picked this one, man.
4: Such a great song.
3: I agree it, with you, it, Jerry. Have you heard it? I heard it, and I, I'm going to need to listen to it a few more times. I did not like it the first time I heard it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, to it again.
4: He's back, he's backing down in this, you know. With Ryan Spencer Cook. Uh, you know, I think he's. I mean, when you hear those, the pre chorus and the background vocals and, and his backing band has just made him better. And I don't think this song would have been as good without his backing band. And Aces, yeah, Ace is Ace. It really doesn't sound any different. He doesn't play guitar any different. He's still playing the exact same guitar solos he played 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Um, but I thought it. I was surprised, actually. I thought, man, this is really good. I played it a couple of times in a row, and I jammed out. So,
3: I like yeah, it. Yeah, man. It's like the new A-Song album. It's not off to a good start. And an album that's really not getting off to a good start with me is Priest's new album. Man, I do not like those two songs ooh, I've been ooh, I love man. both those songs. Terrible
0: songs, man.
3: And it hurts to say that. It really does.
0: But I want to say... That's
3: name. because
4: you're a fan. And it hurts to say that you don't like sure. something for you somebody go. you exactly. love. Exactly.
3: Yeah. Tesla. Yeah.
4: There you go. That's <laughs> oh come on!
3: Oh, one of my favorite bands is Sticks, and when I heard that last abomination, oh song, god no! I almost crying and fucking myself we, was, we we
0: we oh. are going to have to re- re- review Crash Crash of the Crown.
3: Uh, I will not, I will not put Mooger through that fucking punishment, man. No. Thank they you, might sir. Like it
4: <laughs> I've never heard it.
3: <laughs> Do you like Sticks? Good.
4: Yeah.
0: Do you like Tommy Shaw? then you will like this album. (laughs) Don't listen to Tommy... You might like Tommy Shaw's Bluegrass album. I don't. I think that's an abortion. I hate that shit.
4: Okay, look, I'm not as deep into that and sticks as you guys are. I mean, I like Grand Illusion and, you know, all of the stuff. Pieces
0: of Eight? Come on. I just don't like... I haven't listened to...
4: I haven't listened to anything sticks beyond maybe early 90s. Have you
0: seen them live? lately i
4: have you know
3: they're touring with foreigner again
4: oh i don't know they're touring no, with foreigner and john and john wait john yeah, wait they're
3: coming in july here i'm probably gonna to go to that
0: one you should foreigner's still good even though they're like a scab foreigner like kind of kissed right now but uh kelly hansen's really good man but uh ten thousand volts man i think it's a really killer pick man i can't wait to get this album I've got all like an Ace's newer solo albums from everything. I love Ace. I, I hope he does more Origins albums. I love those fucking those Origin albums. I like Struck the Paul Stanley, cool. Fire and Water. I did that too, man. Fucking great.
3: great. Yeah. That yeah. was a great Stanley song. Was, I mean,
4: yeah, that was, was good. in his
0: register on that one. Yeah.
4: Yes. Exactly. And I think that's a good one for him to guest on for sure. And the the guitar part was easy, and the solo is easy, so, and the vocal was easy, so it's easy for both of them. And that was a great song, but. Did he really need to do Wild Thing? Again? <laughs> Nobody ever needs need to, to do Wild
0: song? Thing except fucking that one comedian, Sam Kenison. Sam Kenison. That's Kennison. it. That's yeah, it. Yeah. I don't even like the original version. Dogs? I, I only like it in uh, Major League. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, man, that was our review of Don Henley End of the Innocence, man. Mooga Fuger, your first epi- episode with the great Ultimate Warrior. Jerry Supe here, coming out of the hospital and doing a fucking episode. How fucking, sh- fucking badass rock and roll is that? He fucking just got off of his fucking heroin, and he's here recording an album. Fucking a. I don't know
3: if you can, I don't know if you can see the fucking battle scars from the fucking IV. It's all black and white. can't see it. It's too dark in there. But. I just fucking ripped off the hospital gown and put on my fucking Florida Panthers hockey shirt. Like, Let's fucking go. LA Kings you rule man. dude you rule I haven't even showered dude. yet I mean come on well, nobody wants to hear that <laughs> well at least we can't smell ya yeah. <laughs> I can unfortunately so alright you can smell you. we can smell yourself you're in trouble <laughs> alright let's go for uh, edit that
0: out <laughs> no I'm not editing shit up, Jerry so what's your uh, final thoughts man you know I stole oh. final thoughts from the plug you're welcome Nate All right. I thought you stole them from uh, Jerry Springer Oh really? Also, no, I, I give.
3: That's the what credit. he said. At the end of every show. He says, "I love, I love Bushy.
0: I love Bushy, man. So Bushy gets
3: credit. I'll give him credit too. I can't stand Jerry Springer. Never could like that guy. But yeah, I mean, this is great. This is our first show with our new lineup. Um, it's definitely going to be fun. I think. Uh, you know, like I said, I really enjoyed the time with Charles. It was fun. But you know, people grow apart and go different ways. And I wish him the best." <laughs> In his new show, and I still hope I can do a show with him in the future. That we keep talking about, I keep talking about doing my own podcast all the fucking time, and shit just happens. I think I'm cursed. I don't I know what it is. I keep helping you, but, but uh, you know, I have two great co-hosts for my Three Shots Down podcast that are just, you know, probably gonna fire me. Am I'm I like, I'm about to get fired from my own podcast? The shit keeps coming up, but they've been very patient. Andy and Kate, love you too, man. We're gonna we're gonna get this thing going. I promise, and it's gonna be worth it. So. uh, yeah, looking forward to that. Looking forward to the new year, man.
0: You better have me on a guest there; or I'll be really hurt.
3: Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna do. We're not gonna. We're start trying to find the format, man. I mean, where we can actually include a guest. We're basically doing three parts of a topic, and like you know, like we do in like the Brad Delp episode, where I take care of his early life and the first two albums with Boston, and then Andy takes care of his solo stuff from the 80s and third stage. And then Kate dealt with, you know, what happened with his death and stuff like that. So it's kind of weird. I don't know how we're going to include guests in it, but we'll figure something out. Nah, that's okay. I don't need about. to guess.
0: As long oh, as, sorry, as, we'll, long we'll, as we'll, you we'll keep staying here, something. and I, yeah. I get a fucking you 2 fucking co-host, cohesion here. Help. Yeah, I love Charles, man. I miss him. Uh that episode we did on Metallica ruled, that reload episode. is fucking doing really good right now. But uh you guys won't hear this for seven weeks. But uh Mooger, man, any final thoughts?
4: Uh really great record.
3: Um three out of five.
0: Three out of five.
3: You can't see what I'm holding in my hand, but buy physical by physical media. I you know what, I didn't
0: notice that he was smoking a cigarette on that album cover. I smoked years. like a chimney, man. God dang. I didn't <laughs> notice that, man. We never talk about the album covers. So we need to talk about the album covers a little bit more. If they're good ones. Not like Dance to Death. Ah, BS, uh, I mean. BS Session Topic. Best album
3: covers of
0: all. <laughs> oh, we should do that. Yeah. That was a great episode we did last week. I loved it. But, uh, man, I'm just going to say, man, thank you, Mooger. We love you. Thank you for being an equal member of this podcast.
4: Well, thank you for having me. It's an honor.
0: Yeah, you're an equal member like, I keep telling... I don't know why people want to go and do their own podcast. It's like, I don't give you guys enough input. I feel hurt. Oh,
3: dude. I mean, no. Nah, dude. people just want to... They want to grow, dude. They want to see if they can branch out like I want to, man. It's nothing... That I don't... You know, every, every subject
0: you're talking about doing on... That, I would have did on this episode.
3: Yeah, but I want to... Eat, it's, I want to be at my, you know... See, so you You guys all have egos. I don't... It's not an ego thing, dude. It's, <laughs> it's something like, you know... We'll talk about
0: this. I understand, Jerry. I'm just fucking with you. And I, you know I'm always supporting you. I know. Yeah, I'm always there helping you. i What do you need? What do you need? I told Charles I'll help him with his show, too. I'm not a dick like everybody thinks I am. I'm fucking Oh, no, you. You're a dick, but you're a lovable dick. So. I'm a lovable dick. Yeah, man. Thank you guys, man. That was a great episode, man. Talk to you guys next week. Oh. Mooger, what did you pick for your episode on December 16th?
4: I picked Fireball Ministry, The Second Great Awakening. It's a good, like, sludgy kind of stoner rock. I mean, just straight ahead good rock. It's good stuff.
0: right, because I haven't given Jerry that schedule yet, but uh, I think uh, next week we're doing uh, Doc and Dysfunctional, and I have uh, maybe Joseph Staub on there. I was trying to get Eddie kind of starchy, but he's busy. But, uh, Joseph Stop, with, I wanted both of them, actually. I got Joseph so far. I'm trying to get Mick, uh, Mick Watkins, Dick Watkins on there. That'd be a cool episode with all of us. But, uh, until next week, man, you guys party on, man. Later, guys. I love you both, man. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
2: i Your crimes of passion Was a dark, dark night of the collective soul and I was somewhere, I do somewhere out on Riverside By the El Royale Hotel When a stranger appeared in a cloud of smoke Thought I knew him all too well He said, now that I have your attention I got something I want to say You may not want to hear it I'm going to tell it to you anyway You know I've always liked you, boy Cause you are not afraid of me Things are gonna get mighty rough Here in Gomorrah by the sea You said it's just like home It's so damn hot I can't stand it Bavarians,
1: so meticulous. You know, I remember a time when things were a lot more fun around here, when good was good and evil was evil, before things got so fuzzy. I was once a golden boy like you, and I was summoned to the halls of power in the heavenly courts. And I dined with the deities who looked upon me with favor For my talents, my creativity And we sat beneath the palms in the warm afternoons And drank the wine with Fitzgerald and Huxley And they pawned a biting phrase from tongues hot with blood And drained their pens of bitter ink vainly reaching for the bottle full of empty eaves Branded specially for the one Had come with great expectations to the perfumed halls of Allah for their time in the sun,
2: and we were still. Can I use that word loosely I will testify for you I'm a gun for hire I'm a saint I'm a liar Because there are no facts There is no truth Just data to be manipulated I can get you your results right. What's it worth to you? Because there is no wrong There is no right And I see very well at night No shame No solution No remorse No retribution Just people selling t-shirts
1: just opportunity to participate in the pathetic little service. And winning, winning, winning.
2: place was on a road and the land of opportunity Spawned a whole new breed of men without souls This year notoriety got all confused with fame And the devil is downhearted, babe Cause there's nothing left for him to claim He said, it's just like home It's so low, down I can't stand it. My work around here has all been done, and the fruit is rotten. The serpent's eyes shine as he wraps around the vine in the garden.